0: What's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadsports.com. I am your host Bob. I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown Cleveland Sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man?
1: Bob, um, after t- after seeing your results from your physical, I'm probably gonna have to veto this podcast because you just you're just a little too injured for me right now. So I'm sorry to inform you this on the air like this, but uh, the results came back, and it just—you're not sounding too good, man. So, so we're gonna have to veto this podcast.
0: Yeah, ap- apologies for my voice and any sneezing, coughing, snorting that you hear in the background. I'm fighting off a cold this week, uh, but Chris, I hope that you stick with me on this podcast. Don't don't veto it just yet because I have some some things to offer. But Chris is making some jest about, uh, you know the Cavs never make it easy uh they agreed in terms to a trade uh finally not finally but uh, ending all the drama to Kyrie Irving's trade demand to to get out of Cleveland agreeing in terms to send him to Boston in exchange for Isaiah Thomas Jay Crowder an unprotected Brooklyn first round pick and Ante Zizek uh that was agreed last week Uh, a few days passed and Isaiah Thomas uh took the physical that's required of all NBA players when a trade is agreed to and Cleveland has some holdups about his hips so now we are in more Kyrie Irving trade drama but Chris I mean before we dive into all the interesting nuts and bolts of this trade and and analyze the 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 standoff that the Cavs and Celtics are in for what it is on paper Kyrie Irving for those four pieces do, do is is Are you going to take that trade?
1: If Isaiah Thomas is reasonably healthy, I take the trade. And by reasonably, I mean, okay, fine. If he misses the first two months of the season, I can stomach that. If he misses the first two months and he comes back January 1st, heck, Kyrie Irving did that a couple years ago, and the Cavs were just fine. So if Isaiah Thomas is reasonably healthy, then as is, this is a, a, as about as good of a package as you're going to get for Kyrie Irving. Take the deal. Um, we can dive into the nuts and bolts of this later, but the answer is it all comes down to Isaiah Thomas's health. I mean, if you don't think you're going to get anything out of this guy, and I mean dragging out his return to the court until March. Or, or even at all. The guy's a free agent after this year. So if if the Cavs are just going to take on an injured Isaiah Thomas for a year, and we have a Grady Sizemore situation where he's essentially on this roster just to rehab, then heck no, this package is not enough. I mean, you're essentially just getting Crowder and a guy who's never played in the NBA, and yes, a premium first round pick. But but that is not enough for Kyrie Irving. So if Isaiah Thomas is reasonably healthy definitely take the deal. But if he's not, you, you got to veto the trade unless Boston ponies up some more.
0: Yeah, totally agree with you. It all comes down to that hip. Uh, if we're talking about just a delayed start to his season, as you said, I, I think that that deal is more than enough and is probably as best as you're going to get, not just because of Isaiah Thomas's skill set, which fits in with Kyrie, but uh, the other pieces that the boss, that's the Celtics threw in there are probably the best of the bunch that you could get from any team i mean jay crowder is a great three and d guy and that brooklyn pick is probably the most coveted asset in 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 terms of trade or draft assets that you can get uh in, in in the nba right now uh so yeah i i think it i think you have to take the deal i think it's enough but it all comes down to that hip as you said if you know isaiah thomas is just a body that you know and a salary cap number that you're taking on no, that's absolutely not because, as constructed, this is a Cavs team that is gearing up for uh, a push to the finals, and you're aiding and abetting that you're your, probably your biggest uh, competition to the finals if you give your superstar point guard in exchange for a GIMP all star point guard uh, that, that, that hurts you and helps your, your greatest rival in your conference. So, uh, yeah, it comes down to that hip. But on paper, uh, when I first heard news of the trade, I agree with you. That was probably as great a trade as the Cavs could possibly muster uh, in dealing Kyrie Irving, much more than uh, what we've seen in return for other superstars that have been moved in 2017, dating all the way back to uh, DeMarcus Cousins, looking forward at Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, and Paul George. Cavs got a a, a, a healthy ransom for Kyrie Irving, but again, it all comes down to that hip.
1: No, absolutely, it, it, and and again, if that hip is not healthy, and Isaiah Thomas cannot give you anything in 2018, uh, you you can't accept this deal. It's just not good enough without Isaiah Thomas playing in Cavaliers' uniform for a majority of the 2018 season. So if, they're, if they are getting the sense that this injury is very serious and he might miss the whole year or or enough of the year that he wouldn't be a significant contributor in a playoff run, uh, then, then you've got to walk a hard line and say, no, this isn't enough. You need to throw in something else. And I'm not talking about just a second-round pick sweetener. You would have to throw in a significant asset to offset whatever value is lost from Isaiah Thomas's injury.
0: So would you throw in, in addition to Isaiah Thomas, or are you going to swap Isaiah Thomas out and add in one of those young rookies that they have or or Marcus Smart or something like that?
1: That, That's an intriguing question. I I, I don't know what the cap ramifications would be and what they could do with regards to swapping Isaiah Thomas out and putting somebody else back in. Um, But I I wouldn't be opposed to it. I, I mean... If Isaiah Thomas is down for the year, I wouldn't be ideally I would like Thomas to still be part of the deal and get an extra asset of some sort. But um I, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to to something else. Um I, I I guess that's just for the Cavs and the Celtics to figure out. Um but I, I just can't take the trade if Isaiah Thomas isn't gonna contribute.
0: Yeah, definitely. Celtics uh have plenty of additional assets. You know, the young guys and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are probably the most coveted. They have a bunch of other uh, first round draft choices that aren't their own pick that project to be pretty high picks uh, when they uh, come to fruition. Uh, one idea that I like, and with this being a Cleveland podcast, is, is Terry Rozier being added to the mix, kind of being an insurance policy to Isaiah Thomas, the the Cleveland kid and, and the Shaker Heights kid that you know our, shares our high school alma mater. I think that'd be pretty cool if he came home as, as part of this package.
1: Yeah, I think that's the one guy who. You could see Boston parting ways with and Cleveland being like, okay, now we have a combination of Rose and Rozier if Isaiah Thomas has a prolonged uh, absence. I think that's something that Cleveland could get behind. You, you'd you get a hometown kid, our alma mater, as you mentioned, and, and Boston doesn't give up a, a huge asset. I'm not saying shoot for this guy. I don't think Jason Tatum and, or Jalen Brown are coming back in this trade in addition to Isaiah Thomas. I, I think that, that would be a little bit much. I, I think – Best case scenario, they may be snagging another first-round pick, which I think would be a bit of a steal for the Cavs as well. But I think Terry Rogier could be the compromise here because I, I know if Isaiah Thomas isn't healthy, you can't just settle for a second-round pick or some other kind of risk prospect that they're stashing overseas. You, you already got that in this deal. You would have to get something a little more seasoned, and Terry Rogier certainly is that.
0: Yeah. Well, that aspect of the deal is unresolved though we should get some clarity this week uh the trade has to be agreed officially agreed to later in the week though the Cavs and celtics can uh, agree to extend that deadline but uh, obviously this will work itself out relatively soon uh, i mean you can't be in limbo uh for too long but uh chris the, the trade still was agreed to and you know going through the the rest of this discussion let's just assume that no sweeteners are going to be added by the Celtics. Uh, so as it stands, who do you think won this trade Cleveland or Boston?
1: Yeah. And let's just also assume Isaiah Thomas is relatively healthy for all intents and purposes. Cause I think if the Cavs ac- accept the deal, they have a good sense that Isaiah Thomas at least will contribute. So with those two qualifiers, I, I think the Cavs in the immediate term definitely won this trade. Y- you know, even with Kyrie Irving Boston, if this trade goes through, will have lost 11 players from its Eastern Conference Finals team. They'll be looking at Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, a a lot of young talent that's a little unproven, and then who knows what else around them, so... A very unproven team. Now, I'm not saying they're not better than they were last year. I'm just saying they lost a lot. And that's a lot to change the stomach for a year. There's gonna be growing pains in Boston this year. And I don't think Boston, I think I don't think it's a realistic expectation to say the Celtics won the trade for this year. The Cavs definitely did. Because Isaiah Thomas is about as good of a replacement point guard as you're gonna get for Kyrie Irving, and you added to the wing in Jay Crowder. That's a win-win. Now, also, if LeBron opts out, you have a security blanket in the 2018 Nets pick. Or if LeBron says, you know what, I'm in on this. I'm going to sign an extension now, which probably won't happen. But if he does, you can flip that pick for another premier player and then start really thinking about challenging the Golden State Warriors. So, for this year, through the 2018 NBA playoffs, Cavs definitely won the trade. However... Beyond 2018, there are a lot of variables you have to consider. One, how valuable will the next pick be? And how will Cleveland spend it? Can't possibly evaluate the trade until that pick comes to fruition. Two, will LeBron James stay or leave? I can't believe we're asking this question again, but we are. That is another factor. Three, will Isaiah Thomas stay or leave? Because if LeBron leaves, Isaiah's probably out the door. And who knows if they'll re-sign him as well. And four, most importantly... Can Kyrie Irving be a number one on a good team? I don't think it's fair to hold those first three years over Kyrie's head. Beyond Kyrie Irving, the Cavs were a pretty bad team. But it is fair to say that the Eastern Conference was a pretty bad conference and he couldn't get that team to the playoffs even in his first three years with the Cavs. So. A lot of unanswered questions beyond 2018. And let's also not forget that Kyrie Irving has had the luxury of playing a contender the last three years. I don't think it's a coincidence that these have been the three healthiest years of his career overall because he hasn't had to carry as big of a load. Can he handle an Isaiah Thomas-like workload, the workload Isaiah Thomas handled last year with all the injuries he's had? I'm skeptical. And so there are a lot of unanswered questions beyond 2018 so so i don't think it's fair to peg a winner or a loser for the trade overall but if you're looking at just one year this year where the Cavs still have a window they absolutely saved face they are absolutely still a threat to win the east and they they, they absolutely won the trade for this year beyond that a lot to a lot still be to determine yeah
0: a uh, very, very good point on uh you know, we, we ha- we're going to have to reevaluate this trade at, at multiple points uh, at the end of next season uh, and at the end of probably three years from now when uh, Kyrie is ready to, to sign his next extension to just see where all these guys land. But in terms of a replacement for Kyrie Irving, if you're going to, if you're forced to replace him, uh, I think Isaiah Thomas is about as good as you'll get. These are both two score first point guards that uh, ha- need the ball in their hand. Uh, they, they can drive to the basket and finish uh, among the best of them. They also have a really good three-point shot. If you look at both of their numbers, uh, it's very comparable. Kyrie has been a little bit more efficient over the past three years, but that's because he's playing alongside uh, the greatest basketball player of this generation who is a fantastic facilitator and uh, with a guy down low that can stretch the the floor and Kevin Love, who's also a really good passer uh, so he has had plenty of room and space to make his shots. I think that Isaiah Thomas, again, health pending, uh, if, if he is good to go, he's going to see a, a LeBron bump as just about any uh, decent player has seen when they come over and, and join join forces with LeBron. So I, I think that will be really interesting to see. And I think Kyrie, uh, on the flip side, is going to be the number one option Going to a team that doesn't have a, a another player on that roster that will force defenders to gravitate towards. Gordon Hayward is a fantastic player, and I think he's deserving of the contract and, and is an All Star. Uh, but he's not LeBron James, uh, and and that's not fair, really, to to Kyrie to 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 say that he's going to a team that doesn't have LeBron James because you know very other than kevin durant you, you there's not a comparable player out there but it, it's gonna be hard and i think uh he's gonna ha- have some growing pains so it, it'll be really and i think that's the most fascinating part is to see how Kyrie uh matures and develops uh on outside of, of lebron's shadow but I, I agree with you chris i, I think short term with jay crowder his three in D, his three and D athleticism uh, a very cheap long contract that he's on uh, gives the Cavs a a, a versatile weapon to to guard the Warriors wings. Uh, It it makes them younger and and more athletic. Uh, You know, you're not getting, you're getting worse defensively with Isaiah Thomas, but Kyrie Irving was already below average defender. So I think you can stomach that and and bring on Jay Crowder's uh, tenacity and and defense uh, on the perimeter and, and, and deal with that. And then finally that unprotected Brooklyn pick, is the most coveted trade draft pick out there. Uh the Cavs can flip it like you said if LeBron commits long term or if LeBron bolts, uh, they're ready to to jump start their franchise, uh especially the Cavs who are completely depleted of first round picks. This is a, a nice way to to kick start the franchise.
1: Yeah, Bob, you you said Kyrie Irving's going a team without LeBron James and and you're right that isn't fair, but He's going to a team that doesn't even have a guy like Jimmy Butler or Paul George, and, and again, all due respect to Gordon Hayward, I, I, he's one of my favorite players in the NBA. I think he's been underrated the last few years, but I don't see him commanding the defense's attention the way Jimmy Butler, or Paul George, some of those guys do. I feel like he's kind of like the line, you know, when where the cutoff is, the line comes right above his name. Yeah, uh, between the true number ones and the great number twos. And I think that he's that line. And I think Kyrie Irving's right around that line too. We're going to see. We're going to find out because he's going to have a chance to lead a team. Gordon Hayward led the Jazz for a while. And I think that's why he's underneath that line because the Jazz had a ceiling that they couldn't get over with him as their number one player. Kyrie Irving's going to get his first fair shot at being that number one. So we will see where Kyrie Irving lands, but I agree with you, Bob. I do think Kyrie Irving is going to find that the grass is not as greener on the other side. And whatever caused this rift or whatever to, to to get us to this point, um, it's just such a shame that that you know it couldn't have been worked out because I think all parties involved were better together than they are apart. Um, I still think Kyrie Irving brought a lot to this team. Defensive, um, you know, deficiency aside. Um, I, I do think the Cavs got better overall defensively because of Jay Crowder, and, and Isaiah Thomas is basically a wash with Kyrie Irving defensively. So if you can stomach Kyrie's defense, you can certainly stomach Isaiah's. Um, so yeah, I, it's going to be interesting to see in the immediate term how these two teams gel and react, and, and whether or not Cleveland's still the number one team in the East. I, I kind of think they still are, even even after this trade. Just because with LeBron and Kevin Love and Isaiah Thomas, that that's still a solid three man core, and now you've added more defense off the bench in Jay Crowder. Uh, I think that that's a very formidable team, especially in the Eastern Conference.
0: Yeah, for for, for sure. And just one last point about who won this trade. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about the actual nuts and bolts of the trade, but you know, we've been waiting for Boston to pull the trigger on a All Star on a Superstar. Uh, for two years now, and we've heard them attached to Kevin Love, we've heard them attached to Blake Griffin, and a, a number of names. And they those deals just never came to fruition. Uh, and I think it's really interesting that this is who Danny Ainge put all his chips in on. And you know, I, I, I sincerely believe that you know if, if the Celtics made the right calls and had the right opportunities over the last year, they could have a lineup that was. IT, Gordon Hayward, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, possibly DeMarcus Cousins, and Al Horford. And, and I, I don't know how the cap situation work, would work out for that, but just looking at the, the deals that have been made, I, I find it really interesting that, that Boston went all in on Kyrie Irving. Uh, I think this is a legacy move that, um, you know, looking at what was given up for those other guys, I, I think that adds to the to the weight that Cleveland, Cleveland, probably came out more on top in this deal than Boston.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I know you're not crunching the cap numbers, Bob, but I think it would have been hard to snag two of those big contracts without giving up Al Horford, too. But but to your point, you're right. I mean, even if you had to trade Al Horford, you'd replace him with DeMarcus Cousins or someone like that and Jimmy Butler, I think you'd do that deal any day of the week. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the other guy who's name is on the line now is Brad Stevens. I mean, Brad Stevens, I'm not trying to to hate on him or anything. He has shown that he is a great NBA coach, but this is the first time he is going to be coaching a player like Kyrie Irving, a guy who might want to run his own offense at times, might not want to buy into the kind of thing Brad Stevens is preaching there. You know, Brad Stevens had a great team, but he also had a team of guys who just were not superstars, they they listened and they bought into the system. And Kyrie Irving has shown in Cleveland he sometimes doesn't do that. And by demanding a trade and wanting to be the guy and go somewhere to run the quote-unquote Kyrie Irving offense, that right there to me is a big red flag and how he's going to get along with Brad Stevens. Now, I'm not saying Brad Stevens can't overcome this or can't work it out or maybe they mesh well. Who knows? But I do think that that is another variable in this trade. I mean, Brad Stevens right now is going to... It's put up time. It's time for him to show that he is as great of a coach as we've said he is. And if he is, he'll get over this and, and they will be successful. But but if he can't and, and he and Kyrie Irving clash, uh, it, it could be a problem.
0: Yeah. No, that's a, a very good point. Uh, Chris, the, the The Cavs and the Celtics have had uh, a bit of a rivalry. LeB- LeBron has had a rivalry with the Celtics his entire career. Uh, but this presently constructed, these two teams ha- have gone head-to-head twice in the past three years in the playoffs. Uh, Kelly Olenek famously injured Kevin Love that first time. J.R. Smith uh, retaliated, uh, or you can say he retaliated, and uh, forced Jay Crowder to tear his ACL at the end of that game four, of the, of the first time that they met in the playoffs uh, of these presently constructed teams. Now Jay Crowder's on the roster playing alongside J.R. Smith. Isaiah Thomas is going to be in a Cavs uniform. How do you feel uh, about two guys that you love to cheer against now being part of the Cavs?
1: Well, my running joke was, hey, why don't just throw Kelly Olenek in on the deal so we can get all the guys that we've we've hated over the last few years all in one spot and have those two, him, Crowder, Love, and J.R. Smith go out to dinner together and, and kiss and make up. But, um, no, it's going to be weird. It's going to be really weird because Jay Crowder has been the guy Cleveland fans have cheered against hardcore right next to Kelly Olenek. I mean, those two guys have been the guys that Cleveland has just – completely cheered against for the last three years every time they see the Celtics and and Isaiah Thomas has gotten some of that just because he's the face of the Celtics but not as much because I don't think Isaiah Thomas in and of himself has done kind of anything to irk the Cavs other than just being a great player and you know anytime you 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 the opposing team's best player is always going to get booed but I don't think that there was that level of animosity that Crowder and Olenek inspired just because of what you know happened between the teams in that game four that you alluded to earlier so yeah it's going to be really weird and I think it's going to be even weirder to see Jay Crowder and J.R. Smith uh have to kind of make up after what J.R. Smith did to him he kind of hit him in the face and that led to his torn ACL so uh it's uh it's gonna be an interesting transition for the Cavs um but but ultimately at the end of the day I do think this trade if Isaiah Thomas is healthy if it goes through all those qualifications will make the team um just as good as it was last year I I can't say better until I see it play but I do think they have the potential to be right there favorites in the east into the NBA finals. And now whether or not they're going to run with the warriors, I don't think Jay Crowder alone puts you over the top, but it certainly makes them better equipped to defend the warriors. And that by definition makes you a little bit better.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I have, uh, you know, I, I've said it before on this podcast, I have deep respect for what Isaiah Thomas has done over the past three years, uh, especially during his time in Boston. So it'll be really exciting to see him, uh, play with the Cavs. uh, play alongside LeBron, who I think is just going to make him better. You know, Isaiah Thomas was the number one in Boston. I always was critical of the fact that that was your number one guy, but I think he's a perfect number two guy that can just score and, and and make his own shot and be in the right place at the right time. And I think he recognizes that that is going to, will be his role, uh, in Cleveland, uh, maybe Kyrie didn't recognize that so much. Uh, so I, I have no problem cheering for Isaiah Thomas and uh, yeah, Jay Crowder gave LeBron fits at times uh, really deed him up really, really nicely. Uh, I, I didn't like that. I didn't like watching that, but I can respect that. And so, and I love having that on the team. It's not like Jay Crowder was the one that uh, ruined Cleveland's playoff hopes. I, I feel bad that J.R. Smith uh, kind of wilded out and, and ended his season, but Um, if anybody can can bring some ex-rivals into the fold it's LeBron he's known for for cultivating a good locker room uh, Kyrie Irving aside (laughs) Um, so I I think everyone will 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 be fine Uh, it will be a little bit weird seeing those two guys in a Cavs uniform though uh, just because there have been some tense moments uh, in the past three years uh, against these two teams
1: and this isn't the first time he's brought in a core member of Boston into one of his teams. Don't forget Ray Allen, quote-unquote, defected from Boston to Miami uh, after the 2012 season. C- he was on the second championship for the Heat. So that that was a pretty big story, him spurning his other big three mates to go join with the Miami big three. Um, and so so if LeBron can make that work, I th- I certainly think he can make this work as well.
0: Yeah, yeah me too. So you, you talked about it a little bit, but Chris... Is Cleveland better post trade?
1: I kind of think they are, and and here's why: one, I think they got deeper. They 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 kind of washed that point guard, maybe slight step back because I do think Kyrie Irving's a bit of a better player. But they picked up Jay Crowder, who is makes them deeper and better defensively. So so right there, you got better. I also think Isaiah Thomas has a better team mentality than Kyrie Irving, just based on what I've seen of him in Boston and what I've seen of Kyrie here. I don't think Isaiah Thomas is going to complain if Kevin Love touches the ball a little bit more. I'd like to see Kevin Love be more involved with the offense with Isaiah Thomas on the team. I I like the fact that someone saw Isaiah Thomas playing NBA Live as the Cavaliers beating the Celtics over and over again after the trade went through. I think Isaiah Thomas kind of has this chip on his shoulder, this mentality that he just wants to win. And and that's what I like in players that I cheer for. So that's something I've always admired about him, even though he was a Boston Celtics player. Uh, I like the fact that he is on this team now. And I think that with him at point guard, I don't think he's going to get into his own head and say, hey, I need to take all the shots. I think he's going to relish playing alongside guys who can help him out. Because for the last three years, he's had to do so much on his own. I think he is going to appreciate the fact that he doesn't have to carry the load anymore. And I think that that will make the Cavs better. Even if Isaiah Thomas isn't a better player, I think he might be a better fit for what the Cavs are trying to do.
0: Yeah. I, I think, um, I don't think the Cavs got worse. I, 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 uh, I think they got slightly better. They basically divided Kyrie Irving into a replacement and, uh, you know, got some depth on the wing and, and that's exactly what they were looking for and what they have been looking for for about a year now. I, I think it it works out best for the Cavs for this season. Obviously, again, you know, long-term are the Cavs better off for, for this deal? Probably not because Kyrie is younger and has a, a, a longer contract than IT and uh, is a perennial all-star. But uh, But for this season, I think they're primed to to be even better than than what they were. And I agree with you. I think IT, because of his size, because of the chip on his shoulder, he recognizes his role and will be a a great number two option running alongside LeBron. I think Kevin Love is ready to step up his game again and get more touches and be more active on on the offensive end. I I think between IT and Kevin Love, they will easily... uh, replace Kyrie Irving's production on the offensive end and Ante Zizek is uh you know the, the Cavs don't have a seven footer and now they have one he's young uh he he, he played in the EuroLeague last year but they, they, get, they have a body now that is seven feet that can quote unquote protect the rim I, I don't sleep on that asset being part of this deal I think that also checks a box for the Cavs and, and gives them something that they didn't have
1: No, yeah, everyone's just kind of glossing over the forgotten player in this deal, but, you know, it's very important. I mean, you you don't want to just overlook that Zazic, as you said, 7-footer, even though he is very unproven, it, it is another asset, and everyone who has seen him play has said he has a ton of potential to be a significant contributor in the NBA, That could be another X factor. The Cavs are already a very dominant rebounding team. You get a shot blocker in there who can rebound as well, that would only help they're already one of the best front lines in the NBA.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've been looking for that ever since Miles Goff fell off the map. I mean, Birdman tearing his ACL, Bogut lasted one game. They've actively looked for that 7-footer that can protect the rim, and this possibly could be it. Uh, speaking of that last asset, though that that unprotected Brooklyn first round pick, Chris, the Brooklyn Nets' uh, first rounder this year, turned into the very first number one overall pick that belonged to Boston. So uh, Brooklyn isn't in any better shape uh, this year, though they 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 do have a, a different looking roster. But that that's a very attractive pick. Very confidently, can say that's probably going to be a top five pick. What what should the Cavs do with it? Should they trade it or should they hold it?
1: Hold it unless LeBron signs an extension. Uh, you definitely do not trade that pick unless LeBron commits long-term. And I'm not talking one or two years. I'm talking a five-year deal. I'm talking he signs a max contract with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You get LeBron to commit, then that pick is on the table. But if he doesn't commit, you got to hold it. You have to have a contingency plan if these LeBron leaving Cleveland rumors are true. And uh I think the Cats have done more than enough to appease him, especially with this trade. Uh this is where they draw the line in the sand and say, Hey, look, we have a pick, we're willing to make this team better, but we need a commitment out of you, bottom line.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree. It it comes down to what LeBron wants to do. I, I do think it gives Cleveland finally gives Cleveland some tangible leverage to get an answer out of lebron I, I don't know if he's going to sign a deal before uh the off season uh, just because that's how he operates um but if you can get some kind of understanding or commitment from him and you know, know that he is going to resign yeah flip that pick and, and get get somebody valuable get carmelo mid-season or or, or whatever star is is on a tanking team by that point certainly trade it Uh, but if LeBron is radio silence gives all indications that he's he's moving on got to hold on to it so it it all comes down to what LeBron tells the team he's going to do unfortunately I don't think that they're going to be that there's going to be that much open communication between the two sides
1: yeah I'm not optimistic either but Bob I learned from the Carlos Boozer thing ink on paper I, I, I'm sorry, I, if I'm the Cavs, I'm not trading that valuable of an asset that could help jumpstart a rebuild along with Kevin Love, who is under contract for a while, should LeBron leave uh, on a on a handshake agreement or even a verbal commitment. I need ink on paper. I want a deal signed. I want a tangible commitment. And then I will start, uh, you know, scorched earth like we did for 2016 to go after that championship. But you, you got to have the backup plan absent ink on paper.
0: No, I, I get it. Uh, I don't. I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and I do think that learning the lessons from last time LeBron left, I don't think he's going to do the Cavs as much a disservice as, as he did last time. It understands what lying to the Cavs would mean. Uh, so I, I just think they're just not going to talk about it. They're they're just going to agree to to wait and see, and, and nothing's going to happen of that pick. But if he gives a verbal, a strong verbal commitment saying, hey, I'm here for, forever, uh, I, I think you, you have the right to flip that pick.
1: Also note that because there are no protections on the pick, Cleveland could protect the pick. They could trade it as a lottery-protected pick. So that is an option for them as well.
0: Very true. All right, well, a lot of talk about Cleveland. What about Boston? Uh, you mentioned 11 players being moved. Uh, looking at starters in Jalen, or excuse me, Jay Crowder, Isaiah Thomas, and Avery Bradley, all off the team now. Uh, Chris, are are the are the Celtics a better team this season?
1: I think the Celtics have more top level talent because they added Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving, and and they still have Al Horford. They've bumped him down to sort of the number three option on that team. So while you're losing your top scorer and a number of role players, I do think they have more talent. But to say that they're a better team without seeing them play, I think is a little premature. I, I don't think that they're. Better yet, but I think they will be if that makes sense. Because I do think I think Boston's going to go through some significant growing pains. They're churning eleven players off this roster. Brad Stevens is a coach that that builds up and, and is used to continuity. He's going to have to adjust some of his style. I'm not saying he's incapable of it, but he's going to have to do it. He's going to have to get used to Kyrie Irving. He knows Gordon Hayward from his college days, but but Bob, I mean Gordon Hayward's been through the NBA. He's a little bit different, I would think, from his college days. So, um, there's going to be a significant adjustment period in Boston. I'm not saying they're not going to overcome it. I'm not saying they're not a playoff team. I certainly still think they're a threat in the East, but I don't think that they are significantly better at this time. I think they have to get through sort of an adjustment period, growing pains. I do think by the end of the year, they will come together and ultimately be more of a threat to Cleveland. But, Cleveland has presently constructed. I don't think has a rival in the East yet beyond 2018 though. That's when things could get interesting.
0: Yeah. I think this sets up the, the Celtics to eventually supplant the Cavaliers uh, as the best team in the East. That's not going to be this season. The, the Celtics are going to be good. They have enough stars to be good and enough young talent uh, complementing them to, to get through the East and, and to be, Uh, a top four seed uh, in in the Eastern Conference when it's all said and done. There was a, as evident, uh, last playoffs when the the Cavs uh, beat them in in five games and, 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 you know, beat them by large margins in most of those games uh, sweeping them three years ago. Uh, There is a large gap between the Cavs and the Celtics. The Cavs didn't get worse from this deal you could say the celtics have improved but there is a lebron sized gap between them and you know as long as he is on this team you know there's nobody on the other side that can take over the game for the celtics like lebron can kyrie irving can definitely shoot his way in, into taking over a game for short for for short spurts but i have seen game in and game out regular season playoffs times where from tip off to to the end of the fourth quarter LeBron James is like a a a a black hole sucking in all the defensive attention and just wrecking havoc on on the defensive end and just controlling the game from start to finish. I don't think Kyrie Irving physically and defensively is able to do that. Neither is Gordon Hayward. They're they're great All Star talent players. As is Al Horford, though he is getting a little bit older and I think he's a little bit on the decline at this point. They're going to be good, and I think they have improved uh, because they have the All Star talent, but uh, they, they have not reached the level uh, of the Cavs when it comes to the postseason.
1: No, certainly not yet. And Bob, they still have assets, and, and they still could make another deal. This might not be the finished product either. But but as presently constructed, because that's only what we can evaluate, I think this year there will be some growing pains, and I certainly don't think they're better than Cleveland this year, uh, assuming everything goes well for both teams. Um, But beyond 2018, as you said, I think they've positioned themselves to kind of fill the void should LeBron leave Cleveland again.
0: For sure. Yeah. And they definitely do have assets. They can bring in new talent, but they are over the cap now. So they're going to have to unload talent as well to make that those deals work. So you're talking about marginal gains instead of Gordon Hayward or Kyrie Irving sized gains. Uh, So it'll be interesting Uh, to see what they're able to do uh, with those future assets. Should they add another guy?
1: Al Horford's a big contract, though, so they could flip him and and turn him into a superstar, package him with some assets. So I I wouldn't underestimate that, but um, certainly I agree. I I do think it will be harder for them to improve just because they used their cap space to sign Gordon Hayward. You're absolutely right there.
0: All right, well, we have certainly picked uh, this deal apart, uh, got all the way into it and, and back out. Obviously, there's still more drama to be played out with Isaiah thomas's hip uh and the possibility of a veto of this trade so we are not done talking about this situation uh so we will keep you posted on that but moving that'd
1: be fun if we spend all this time on this trade only for it to get vetoed
0: as far as you know knowing our luck is it's probably very likely uh probably get vetoed an hour after we post the podcast or something like that (laughs) (laughs) um But Chris, moving on to uh, all positive news uh, with the Cleveland Indians going on a tear uh, over the past week, splitting a series against Boston, and then not only sweeping the Kansas City Royals, but shutting out the Royals for three consecutive games, essentially closing the door pretty hard uh, on the Royals and their aspirations for that AL Central title. Uh, It's now down to the Indians and the Twins. Uh, Twins are six and a half games out of that AL central spot for the indians uh, chris a fantastic week for the tribe and you know shutting out one of your division rivals three times in a row has to be a great feeling heading into or in the middle of, of what has been their their most difficult schedule
1: Yeah, I mean, not just shutting them out. They went five and one against them during this stretch of twenty three days in a row playing a game against a team that's above five hundred, or at least was when they played them. Tampa Bay has slipped below five hundred now, but the point is, this is a brutal stretch. You got five games against Boston. You had, you know, three more up against New York in New York. Uh, You had. nine games against your two main rivals in the division and went seven and two in those games they also saved face in every other series they at least split or won every other series so they took care of business outside of the division and they laid the hammer down in the division two and one against the twins five and one against the royals three and the last three games just shutouts closing the door on kansas city's division hopes they are nine games out Put a fork in them. They are done. They still could get the wild card, though, but as far as the division goes, they're not winning it. Minnesota is on life support, too. Six and a half games out with about a month to play. That's a lot of ground to make up. If Cleveland pushes that number to seven or eight going into September, stick a fork in them, too. This division is basically Cleveland's if they just take care of business just a little bit more. All they got to do is keep treading water. Just keep taking care of business. Don't get swept win the series, and they're going to be in the postseason as Central Division champs. This is a phenomenal stretch for the Indians. Very tough schedule stepped up and won, and they did it with a ton of injuries, Bob. I mean, they had Tomlin hurt. He's probably going to come back Wednesday. Then Salazar gets hurt. They had a six-man rotation go down to a four-man rotation. They had to call up Ryan Merritt, who pitched fantastic on Friday. They, they, Andrew Miller's gone down. Jason Kipnis, Lonnie Chisholm, Michael Brantley. The list goes on. They've lost six or seven key contributors, and they're still ran through... What is easily the toughest part of their schedule? If they take two out of three in New York, that would it would just be a fantastic performance all around by the Cleveland Indians, starting to f- round in to playoff baseball form at the perfect time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, my fake my sub fake headline did come true. The Indians took the wood to Chris Sale for a second time this year. Chris, I didn't realize this, but Chris Sale has a career 4.72 ERA against Cleveland overall against all teams sale has a 298 career era so uh, if i'm boston i'm a little concerned that my two top guys are chris sale uh who has a cleveland problem uh and then david price who has a playoff problem so uh i think that's a good little sub piece of news uh coming out of this good stretch from the
1: indians oh certainly chris i mean Bob, I mean, it's why I've been saying I'd rather play Boston than New York in the playoffs because if Boston's going to throw Chris Sale in game one, I think that's a plus for Cleveland because Kluber, A, is in super machine mode right now, and B, the Indians own Chris Sale. This goes back to the White Sox, as you just said. The Indians are not intimidated by this guy. I, I, I would rather face Boston than New York in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. When asked about that, Terry Francona was like, look, it's not like our guys are happy to face Chris Sale. He's really good. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> it certainly dangerous? doesn't seem like it, though, man. I mean, they have they don't seem to struggle with him.
0: Yeah. Well, some reprieve is coming for the Indians. Once they get through this Yankees series, it's Detroit, Chicago, and Baltimore for uh, the foreseeable future. So uh, good prospects for the Tribe wrapping up that AL Central Division, and we'll keep checking in.
1: I, I was gonna say the four. I was gonna say the forty man roster because that's coming up too, and they surely need that.
0: <laughs> yeah, they definitely need need some beef. Uh, though, I mean this this offensive surge has been a lot of Roberto Perez, Jan Gomes, Yandy Díaz. That that back end uh, has been contributing pretty 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 heavily uh, to this stretch.
1: Hey, look the Indi- this is. We say it all the time, but this is what depth looks like, man. You're going to struggle with injuries, but to have these guys in Columbus just able to call upon when needed, offensively, defensively, I mean, you got your Shella, you've got a ton of guys who can just step up. It's it's truly a blessing. I mean, this this is the true strength of the Cleveland Indians, Bob. They're not just one or two guys. I think... I think the only guy they can lose and you'd really worry about him is Corey Kluber. If they lost him, that would be a significant blow. But anyone else, they they have the depth. Now, I'm not saying they want to lose all their guys, but they've got a lot of depth, and I just don't think a lot of other teams can match them in that area.
0: Yeah. No, certainly deep, and that is very refreshing to see uh, from an Indians team uh, able to absorb a lot of injuries uh, over the past two years uh, and still be one of the best teams in the league so uh, all good news for the tribe, uh and hopefully that that those good vibes continue into september uh chris moving on to the cleveland browns deshaun kaiser started uh week three of the preseason against the tampa bay buccaneers brock osweiler did not see the field after the game kaiser is officially named the week one starting quarterback uh Chris, this is just a week after we had a big Osweiler versus Kaiser debate. What should they do? Hugh Jackson not messing around and and giving us some clarity heading into week four of the preseason. Uh, What are your thoughts on on Kaiser being named the, the week one starter and how that played out?
1: What happened? I mean, Osweiler started the first two games, doesn't even play in game three. He didn't even get time with the second string. So if these rumors about them trading him are true, wouldn't you at least play him with the second string and say, hey, we still kind of think this guy is good, not even playing him. I mean, you know, Kevin Hogan got more snaps than Brock Osweiler did against the Bucks. I, I just, it, it's a big-time curveball. I can't say I'm disappointed because I really wanted Deshaun Kaiser to win this competition and take the job, you know, by the reins. So I'm happy, but at the same time, I, I just wonder what, caused them to sour on osweiler so fast i mean i know he hasn't played well in the preseason but to not even give him a snap against the bucks i mean how does that help sell another team on this guy could be your starter i I don't get that one but i'm certainly encouraged to see kaiser uh, stepping up and winning this job
0: yeah i am too I, i think you know he won it not by default he won it because of his work ethic his leadership and the skills he showed on the field You know, his showing against Tampa Bay wasn't fantastic by any means, nor was his play against the Giants. But, you know, you saw him evade pressure. You saw him make the right throws, make some really good throws uh, from time to time. And it looked like the, whenever he took the field, the guys he was playing around were energized, you know, Brock Osweiler, I just don't think he was taking the job by the reins and running with it. I think he just assumed that he was going to be the starter because of his competition. Uh, And he looked poor in in the preseason. If you're not getting those intangibles or that leadership or that electricity uh, from that position, and you're also going for a a 33% completion percentage in the preseason, and you got this young stud in the wings that is doing everything right. Right. I mean, of course you're going to lose your job and Kaiser is going to be named the starter. Uh, Chris, I think the ship has sailed on on Osweiler being a trade asset just from the way he uh, ha- has performed in the preseason, the way he lost his job to Kaiser and, you know, on the hook for $16 million in guaranteed money this year. Uh, it's going to be hard to, to make that a attractive uh Piece to, to any team to, to to give up some draft picks to to go out and get Osweiler. I, I I do think that Osweiler is on the verge of being cut. I think that would be a wildly fan amazing to see a sixteen million dollar guaranteed contract quarterback be cut by the Cleveland Browns. But I think that's where we're heading, and I I, I have to say that I I'm okay with it.
1: You think a team would pony up like a fourth rounder just to pay Osweiler four million and say Cleveland, you eat twelve million or something like that? I feel like if that had ha- if that was going to happen, it would have happened by now. I think Cleveland but,
0: Cleveland is would be willing to do that. I I just I don't oh, think certainly. there's a team out there that you know sees that that Osweiler can be a, a functional starter uh, better than what they have so far.
1: And that's crazy because Josh McCown just got named Week One starter for the Jets. So,
0: yeah. Who knows? I don't know, man. Kaiser is the youngest quarterback on an NFL roster and he is starting for the Browns. So uh good luck to him. And uh, you know, I, I can't I can't help it, but Chris, I, I am kind of excited for him.
1: Oh, me too. It's great. You want to know what else is great? Is Jabril Peppers had an interception against the Bucs. That that's good to see as well.
0: Yeah, he's been pre- playing from what I've seen, he's been playing pretty aggressively. I, I've liked it. So um good good vibes from the Browns so far. Three and zero in the preseason, eh?
1: Hey man. Hey they're winning something. At least you're winning in the preseason. I mean Yeah. Winning still feels good even if it's practice and nobody else cares about it. But Yeah. Better to win those games than lose.
0: Yep. Very true. Very true. Well we were all set for a college football preview on this podcast, but Kyrie Irving and Deshaun Kaiser kind of derailed that. And we had to talk some, some hometown Cleveland sports for the, for the main topics of this podcast, but that doesn't mean that college football isn't starting this week. Uh, And we'll certainly have a full college football preview uh, on next week's episode uh, after week one happens. Uh, Apologies for that. And we'll also be previewing the NFL season on that podcast. But Chris, Ohio state has a game against indiana at indiana this thursday uh what are you making of this matchup and i mean is ohio state the team to beat in the big 10
1: well first off uh, i'm not super excited about this matchup because i think ohio state should win um but but number two is yeah i do think ohio state is one of the favorites in the big 10 i think it's gonna be tough uh because the big 10 has gotten better over the last year or two michigan i still think is gonna be a threat they they honestly should have beat the Buckeyes last year, but hey, Ohio State stepped up and took advantage of some bad mistakes. Uh, Penn State beat the Buckeyes last year, and oh, by the way, actually played in the Big Ten Championship, won it, so um, we'll see, uh, but I but I do think Ohio State certainly is going to be a significant uh, force when it comes to the college football playoff conversation, and with Urban Meyer and all the talent they have, they're definitely going to be one of the front runners to win the Big Ten. And I'm just going to say, they are the favorites to win the Big Ten. And uh, until somebody, you know, really knocks them out, even though Penn State won, Ohio State got the playoff bid. So uh, go figure that one, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin, all returning some talent uh, and had successful years last year. But there's only been one team in the Big Ten that's been able to repeat uh, year in and year out over the past four years, and that's Ohio State. Uh, they had a, a, a great season last year. I mean, it didn't end the way they wanted it to end, and uh, there were a couple of disappointing moments against Penn State and Clemson. But still, they they made the playoff. Uh, you know, uh, the for 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 the second time uh, in the playoffs' existence, and they're returning uh, a number of, of key starters, and they're bringing in another uh, loaded recruiting class. So of course, they're prohibitive favorite to, to win the big 10, but I agree with you. I think the, the, the gap is closing and it'll be really interesting to see, you know, Michigan finally tasted success last year uh, in the Jim Harbaugh rebuild. It'll be interesting to see if that is sustainable for them. Uh, And if Michigan is back then the big 10 will certainly be much more interesting, but Ohio state has to be considered the favorite Uh, in, in regards to the Indiana game. I mean, uh, I don't know <laughs> Ohio State should should win that pretty pretty handedly I, I think I, I would be shocked if it was a competitive game though it is at Indiana it's week one uh, I, I find it really hard to believe that Ohio State doesn't coast
1: yeah I mean Indiana has given that been a stubborn team to Ohio State the last couple of years but but I don't expect the Buckeyes to lose this one
0: all right well that that is everything Chris let's wrap up with the fake headline what do you got
1: My fake headline is ESPN suspends fantasy football preview coverage until the start of the regular season. My goodness, they've had like a million videos on their website. I'm sick and tired of it, and I like fantasy football, but my goodness, man. I believe that they have run a 10-minute video about every single player in the nfl it is getting to the point of ridiculousness even offensive linemen i feel like i've gotten a fantasy breakdown on i'm sick and tired of it it's too much just stop yeah it's pretty crazy um
0: you know i i i I, uh stay away from, from a lot of the ads so i'm not quite sure uh what you're seeing, but yeah, uh, fantasy football is certainly uh, a 24-hour news cycle at this point.
1: every time I log on to ESPN, like the main thing is like something by Matthew Berry or Eric Kiebel or something like that. There's there's something, and it's just it's so much, and like most of it is just spoiling guys I like, and it's like, come on, guys, stop talking these players up, talk them down, so I can get them in my draft. Actually,
0: yeah. yeah uh well i do like fantasy football i'm two drafts down i think i got one more to go like my team so far
1: yeah i haven't had a draft yet my big draft is this weekend it's gonna be fun hopefully i get all the guys i want
0: yeah obviously that's all you can hope for or hopefully uh you're you're playing with people that reach make ridiculous reaches and you get all the good guys
1: no i don't play with those people my my league's pretty competitive actually yeah there there are there aren't many dumb picks in fact our waiver pool after week one is pretty thin because we draft a lot of the guys who break out
0: <laughs> cool well i'm glad i don't play with you guys i'm glad i don't play uh with money with you guys so um my- <laughs> we actually
1: don't play for money
0: oh. interesting just uh, for honor and pride and glory.
1: Yes. All three of those things. And, and to be annoying and and brag to all your closest friends. Oh,
0: gotcha. All right. Well, my fake headline, uh, Chris, Jason Tatum's added to the Kyrie deal. Uh, I'm really holding out for one of those two prospects. I think that would make it a absolute steal for the Cavs. I don't think it's likely, but we are in the realm of fantasy right now. And, I think that would just be the cherry on top.
1: Bob, I just had ESPN suspend its entire fantasy football coverage, so if I can go there, you can certainly go (laughs) where you just went. (laughs) (laughs) But – All righty. Well, I certainly hope Bob's fake headline comes true. I don't think mine's going to come true, but next week it's all football. I don't care what Kyrie Irving does. We have got to break down some college and NFL stuff for you, and we will do that next week on our Labor Day podcast podcast. But until then, you can catch up on all the old episodes of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. Just log on to FenleyRoadSports.com; all the episodes are there. You can also go to iTunes by clicking the icon in the upper right-hand corner of our FenleyRoadSports.com website, or you can search for Fenley Road Sports on iTunes and click Clee Talk. It's just that simple. Please subscribe to our podcast. We appreciate your support. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports. And we thank you for listening to another episode of Klee Talk presented by com. We'll be back next week with more talk, lots of football, and hopefully the Tribe will continue their winning ways. But until then, go Tribe and go Buckeyes kicking off the season on Thursday.
0: All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Tribe.
1: Take it easy, Bob.